Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This is John Roca, one third of the Geek Buddies, with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own, and some of you have reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. everyone and welcome to another brand new episode of the geek buddies (laughs) (laughs) all right we're back at it again to talk about another week of geek news here on the show excited to be getting into all of it we've got a lot of big topics got some more trailers we've got that amazon mgm purchase we've got some willie walker news range of the new republic and we're going to get into some eternal extended conversation after that trailer drop for sure. Absolutely. All of it. So, uh, but let's introduce ourselves first. I am the outlaw, John Roca, writer, producer, host here on the Outlaw Nation and on the Geek Buddies. In the middle there. I am Michael Vogel. I'm a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. And on the end. And this is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor where you may have seen me on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, The Goldbergs, and Silicon Valley. hey and hopefully more to come in 2021 as <laughs> things start to be picking up here, Shannon. Just throwing it out there. Things <laughs> are picking up. Yeah. Please. <laughs> <laughs> From my lips to the, God, to the acting God's ears. Please. Uh, anyway. Please, Father Outlaw. <laughs> Hear my prayer. Oh, that's a new change, Father Outlaw. That could be interesting. He's found religion. Oh. Uh, God help us all. Machine well, gun preacher. Machine gun preacher. And that and that and that was the day that 2021 took a turn. <laughs> that was the day. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, we're gonna get into so many things, but just first of all, just want to thank everybody who's taking a chance on us for the first time. Welcome aboard. Thank you so much for clicking on the play uh, here on this video or for listening to us on the podcast podcast feed for those of you who maybe just watch us on youtube don't forget we are on our own separate podcast feed as well please go there and subscribe to it and listen to us take us along with you wherever you go on your day and for those of you who are returning thank you very much for staying on the geek buddies train we appreciate it madly the way this thing works is each of us brings up a geek news item we take a mini break and talk about our main topic which is the eternals trailer and break it now what we saw and what we might be getting from that movie yes there was much more in there than you think ladies and gentlemen that's for damn sure and some of you may be asking wait we didn't see a villain are you sure you didn't see a villain anyway we'll talk about it uh who's gonna start us off here uh shannon 
That would be me with trailers, trailers, trailers. Three trailers this week. No <laughs> clips, all trailers. Three very different films. Three I think we're all very excited about. The first one from beloved director Edgar Wright. We have Last Night in Soho. This one stars uh, Anya Taylor-Joy from The Queen's Gambit and Thomas and McKenzie from Jojo Rabbit. Um, anytime Edgar Wright releases a movie, it, it's, it, it, it always gets... It gets audiences excited. You know, he's the guy behind the Cornetto trilogy, which is, you mm-hmm. know, Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, The World's End. Originally was supposed to be behind Ant-Man, then went on and did Baby Driver. And now we have Last Night in Soho. Um, this trailer says it's about a, a young girl passionate about fashion design is mysteriously able to enter the 1960s where she encounters her idol, a dazzling wannabe singer. But 1960s London is not what it seems and time seems to fall apart with shady consequences. Um, this looks like a psychedelic murder mystery whodunit. Um, I, I am in, in, incredibly excited to talk about this trailer, but first, gentlemen, what did you think about our first look at Last Night in Soho? Mikey? Well, first, I can't believe that you didn't mention uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the world when you're going over the Edgar Wright movies, but... Oh, Fair, fair, kind of, fair, fair critique. Fair critique. Kind, kind of a big one there, buddy. Fair uh, critique. But and I and I think what uh, the reason I thought of it is because you know I think to your point, Edgar Wright, uh, when he comes out with a movie, everyone is so excited about it, and a lot of people really do love the energy he brings to the Hot Fuzzes, the Shaun of the Dead's, mm. uh, the Scott Pilgrim versus the World. So you're like, oh, cool, one night in Soho. What kind of fun romp is this going to be? And then you watch a trailer and you're like, nope. Nope, not a fun romp. Not a fun romp at all. Um, But even though it's very moody and looks different, it still feels like it has a level of that Edgar Wright style to it. Like what he brings to a movie is uh, you're not just telling a story in a conventional way. You are telling a story in a very, very visual way. He's not afraid to do crazy things. He's not afraid to take chances Mm -hmm. in the way that he's staging things and the way that he does things. And you can see that through... All, everything from Shaun of the Dead up through Baby Driver, very different. Uh, you know, it's not like he has one kind of signature style per se, but his style is that he brings a really interesting visual eye. And so for him to take uh, that ability to sort of this very sort of gothic, horror, moody, time travel kind of vibe was great. I mean, two amazing actresses. Uh, the entire trailer just kind of left me, uh, I watched it with my brother and we kind of got done and my brother said, well, I don't know what the fuck is going to happen, but I am definitely in. And I think that's pretty much <laughs> sums up my feelings about it. I mean, I would go see anything that Edgar Wright did. Uh, I'm, I'm on board for any Edgar Wright movie, but, uh, a, an Edgar Wright weird time travel horror fashion movie. Yeah. Like I think you just ticked all my boxes. Uh, yeah. This is, this could be a really great, uh, uh, event. At the uh, Universal Studios Halloween Horror Nights, for God's sakes. This one is pretty intense. It was great to see Thomas and McKenzie, who I love to see her moving up the chain here. Don't I know you? everyone's loving Anya Taylor-Joy, and certainly she was fantastic on SNL over the weekend. Definitely watched that big Brawers sketch. That was fantastic. But you've got Thomas and McKenzie as well, kind of building a resume. Um, what was it? No no, ch- no one left behind or uh, no, ch- no chance. I forget the one she did with Ben Foster. That was fantastic. And then right into JoJo Rabbit. So I'm really enjoying how she's building her credibility and her resume. And she works so well here. You can tell from the trailer, this is going to be something unique and interesting. And look, 
Edgar Wright has always played with these kind of darker themes amidst his comedy, right? Zombie stuff. Remember, the, the, the boyfriend gets eaten alive in front of people. There are As funny as the movie is, there's real stuff happening. Even Hot Fuzz has like satanic rituals going on. So all of his movies are littered with this kind of darkness uh, or some of the deaths in, in Baby Driver are pretty brutal. So he's not afraid to walk into this. This reminds me uh, of a number of directors who kind of have a pattern and then switch, like Paul Thomas Anderson doing Punch Drunk Love or or, or uh, someone like Steven Spielberg making a little bit of a change here and going into doing Road to Perdition, something that strips away, or Schindler's List, something that strips away what you've seen from him in the past and like kind of presents a new approach. So if he's going horror without any of the jokes or the comedy or whatever, then this makes me all the more excited to see what he can do with it without defaulting into that, which he does really, really well. Obviously, numerous ex- ex- examples of that. But the late Diana Rigg in this one, we get to see Matt Smith with his full pompadour hair. Terrence Stamp is in this one. So excited to see some more from Edgar Wright and see where we go with this one for sure. Yeah, I think this one looks like a blast. I mean, it, you you have sort of those those almost fantasy elements as Thomas and McKenzie goes to Soho for the first time. Yeah, and the and the longer the trailer goes, the darker it gets. And then you actually hear like I think she's talking about a ghost story. Like, do you believe in ghosts or something? Yeah. Like, do you believe in monsters? And you see that hand come up, and it's like, oh my god, what kind of movie is this going to be? We know it's not going to be another season of Doctor Who, despite the fact that Matt Smith is in it, <laughs> and it connects to our next trailer, which would be Gunpowder. Milkshake starring Karen Gillum, Lena Haiti. Um, this looks like a blast. This, oh, oh first off, uh, uh, Last Night in Soho is going to be out in October, October 22nd, I believe. Um, but then on to Gunpowder Milkshake, this watching this trailer, this made me think like this is what Birds of Prey should have been. Oh, um, watching that trailer because okay. uh, Karen Gillum looks awesome. We're getting some some kind of kind of some John Wick vibes from this, but it's you know it's about a, uh, a, a, a three generations of women fight back against those who could take everything from them. Karen Gillan plays an assassin, <laughs> and working for it seems like she's working for Paul Giamatti and so, sort of a shadowy organization. Uh, she ends up uh, rescuing a young girl, and turns out she wasn't supposed to do that. And then mm-hmm. she has to go and find help from her mom, who is the. Uh, uh, Long missing Lena Headey. Um, this looks like an absolute blast. Going to be on Netflix, gentlemen. What do you think? I mean, this says John Roca all over. This is a John Roca Shannon McClung two o'clock in the afternoon matinee <laughs> film on a Saturday for sure. This looks fantastic. I love it. Love to see Lena Headey getting more and more work uh, on the big screen for sure. Loved her in Fighting with My Family. So getting Karen Gillan, who I think should have been nominated for Avengers Endgame for the work she did in that film as Nebula. It's great to see her kind of stepping in and embracing a little more of the action. You know, we loved her in Jumanji. Certainly, she, she had some action moments in Jumanji. This looks badass. Plus, you've got some badass women. Carla Gugino, Michelle Yao, and Angela Bassett. That's badass cast. And you throw in Giamatti for fun. Why not? And this almost reminds me like Giamatti's film that he did years ago. What's the one? Shoot him up. He did with Shoot, Clive Owen. Clive Owen. Yeah. And, and <laughs> so this, this looks awesome. It feels very British. So I like that even more. And why not? Look, we've seen... 70-year-old geriatrics like Liam Neeson doing these films. So why not have uh, uh, some uh, badass ladies be leading these kinds of quick action, uh, uh, gun-heavy type movies? So this looks incredible. Atomic Blonde was fantastic. This looks like a next kind of phase of having more and more women kind of doing these kinds of roles. And I'm all for it. 
shoot em up revenge films sign me up every single time mike uh i was obsessed with this trailer uh <laughs> i mean it's full girl power awesomeness i never thought about it but john i think you make a really good point i think karen gillum absolutely deserved an oscar nomination for what she did in nebula who knew when guardians of the galaxy came out that yeah. we were gonna have the emotional arc that we have for Nebula, I just recently rewatched Endgame, and man, mm. when her and Gamora make up as sisters at the end, like it gets me every time. So yeah, so her as the lead in this movie is great. Uh, you know, every, you know, Carla Gugina, Michelle Yeoh, uh, Angela Bassett, like. Yeah. I'm already sold on this just by the women that are in this movie. And then I love just the high style of it. Like I mm. love that I love just how stylish and kind of silly and colorful it is. Uh, it's just it looks like a candy coated action movie filled with violence. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that I really liked, uh, you know, just kind of using Atomic Blonde as an example, which is a great movie, but I really also liked to see a movie about a bunch of female assassins that not once was about look how sexy they are in their mm. skin tight outfits, look how they're using their sexuality. And like I'm like that's great. And that is yeah. absolutely an aspect of these types of movies that you can explore. And there's plenty of uh male uh assassin movies mm. where we get to see them shirtless, which I'm always a big fan of. But I think that with uh to your point with Liam Neeson and other movies, like I just like that with the female assassin genre, we're getting to the point now where it doesn't have to be about how skin tight your suit is, how sexy you are. It's just a great movie with some amazingly awesome actresses who are playing what look like super, super fun characters. Uh it was silly, it was tongue-in-cheek. Like, I'm super stoked. And, and let me clarify, I don't mind geriatric shoot 'em ups. I don't mind it at all. I'm just saying we Absolutely. Can create space for the younger people as well. I'm down for that. So yeah, that's all I was saying. I don't want any leading no, I mean, recent stance to come after me. <laughs> I know, but I think but I think it's a good point. I think <laughs> it's fair. But by the way, Every Liam Neeson stand all of a sudden gets on their phone and says, I'm coming for you, outlaw. Um, I have a certain but, uh, set of no. skills. No! Yes. But, I, but I think it is a good point that I think for so long, if you had a female in a movie like this, yeah, yeah, yeah. part of the requirement was this is a sexy film through cor- sort mm. of a male gaze. And I think that to your point about the geriatric shoot 'em up, the male actors can, you can have the young hot assassin, you can have the old grizzled assassin, you can have all levels of the assassin. And I'm not saying any of the women in this trailer are old and grizzled because they all look gorgeous, but yeah. they're not made to be sexy. They're not made to be, look how like slinky I am. Like they're just right, badass right. women and the, they yeah, look the badass. The badassness makes them sexy, not yeah. needing to put them in those outfits. That's a great point, Micah, for sure. Uh, Shan? Yeah, that one comes out on July 14th. And finally, our last trailer was one we covered the tease of, what, probably about a month ago, that did not get the most positive <laughs> response. <laughs> it was sort of a teaser for Chris Pratt, the movie. Um, but we get the next look at the Tomorrow War that's going to be on Amazon Prime. This look actually looks pretty good. Um, yeah, or at least, at least that's what I think. Chris mm-hmm. Pratt plays a family man uh they're at they're at they're uh, at a party watching watching some sort of sporting event and then suddenly there's a big event where some futures from the soldiers say we're fighting a war in the future and they're going to enact a draft and we find out chris pratt even though he's a teacher and is a vet he has a deferment but if he doesn't go they're going to make his wife go who is played by betty gilpin from glow hmm. um 
really interesting premise. Um, it has a really impressive cast along with along with Betty Gilpin. We have J.K. Simmons. We have Sam Richardson from Veep in a in a a comic role, but he's in an action movie. And this one comes from Chris uh, Chris McKay, who directed uh, Lego Batman. He was supposed to be doing Nightwing for a long time. I really like this trailer. Like this one, I was like, "Ooh, this is a movie that I definitely want to see." And when you look at the career of Chris McKay, because he did work with Lord and Miller, look at what Lord and Miller did. Like they did Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, and then they did Twenty One Jump Street, which no one had any expectations for, and ended up being fantastic and produced one of the funniest sequels we've gotten in recent time. And my hope is that Chris McKay is going to have the same sort of career path that his first live action film is going to be a success on the level of like a 21 Jump Street. But gentlemen, what did you think? Yeah, Mike? Uh, definitely way more interesting. Definitely a lot more information. Uh, I, The nerd in me just has to say <laughs> that the time travel rules of this movie are going to be really interesting because coming back in time 11 years to draft a bunch of people and pulling them into the future where they're going, where 70% of them are going to die creates such a massive time travel paradox <laughs> that I can't even begin. The Doc Brown that lives in my brain is screaming right now. Uh, so, so, uh, so ultimate time travel paradoxes aside, uh, it looks interesting. I agree with you. I think that Chris Pratt and Matt Damon are both sort of neck and neck for playing the, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a good old boy kind of characters like they're both kind of falling into this we need someone that's going to appeal to all of america and if it's more dramatic get matt damon and if it's more action get chris pratt because mm. that feels like the kind of role that he's playing um but yeah it's interesting uh it's a cool little bit confusing on the time travel but a cool new take on time travel this idea that like there's not enough human humans left to fight so we have to come back in time and get them uh, it's a big alien action movie. The aliens were kind of giving me uh, Minority Report vibes. Mm. Not my more not, not Minority Report. Why am I Edge of Tomorrow? Edge of Tomorrow. I got my yeah. I had I had a Tom Cruise mess up in my head. Uh, but yeah, they were giving me some Edge of Tomorrow vibes. But yeah, it definitely looks interesting. I'll definitely check it out. Uh, and then I'm sure I will come on here and scream about time travel. <laughs> yeah, I liked it. I, I you know we said after the teaser trailer, give us some story. <laughs> And they certainly, they certainly gave us way more story. That got me excited about it. I like that. That final visual was gorgeous, and the uh, just I don't know, I don't know the destruction that it was showing was phenomenal. So I mean, visually, this looks like it's going to be an incredible film. Overall, I like the story, I like the idea. I'm with you, Michael. We'll see how the time travel works out. You know, we've seen so many time travel movies, and after Endgame, basically crapping on every time travel movie ever, you got to have you kind of raise the bar now, and you got to be able to work this out. And you know, the Edgar Wright movie we talked about is a little bit of time travel, at least in some weird kind of spiritual or ghost kind of way, metaphysical way. This mystical, is different. This, mystical yeah, right, time yeah. travel is allowed. Mystical course, time travel is fine. Magic yes. doesn't have to make sense. Yeah, true. I'm just getting to that point. Like it's, this is going to be scientific time travel, so you got to make it work for the people who are watching this stuff. But I like Sam Richardson there. He's very funny. I mean, that line when he's like, "All right, it was nice knowing you." That's a great little moment you got to have. Great to see Betty Gilpin. I hope they don't sideline Betty because it seems like Betty is a veteran as well. Because he says, "I'm going." Because if I don't go, they're going to send you. 
So maybe they're a, a veteran couple, like both served in, in, in for the military. So uh, I hope we get some Betty, although we do get Yvonne Strahovski, who's badass off of Chuck. Great to see her in a feature film like this. And this is Amazon Prime. So I'm excited overall for this uh, thing. And, and Chris, Pratt need, Chris Pratt needs a hit. Like he hasn't done anything outside of Jurassic World. And those and people, most people now don't really like those Jurassic Worlds that much. Uh, and certainly Passengers didn't win anybody over. So it's been a bit since Chris was like being talked about as a possibility. And of course, off camera, there's been some controversy around him as well. So I wonder how that will affect the overall acceptance of this movie. But this makes me excited to see it. Whereas that teaser trailer did not. Yes, yes. And this one comes out July 2nd. This one is just around the corner. And if you noticed me typing just now, I was I was quoting Mike as uh, magic doesn't have to make sense. And this is a note that I'm going to use later <laughs> when, when we're working. Oh, no. Oh, no. Wait a minute. It's, I'm Wait looking at the quote right here. Magic doesn't have to make sense. <laughs> Woo! This has solved so many issues for me. <laughs> I just want I just want to be really clear. I'm going to give you guys a little window into behind the scenes on Geek Buddies. Please this do. is because Shannon got a bunch of notes yesterday on a script that he's working on for me. And and he was not thrilled with all of the notes. And now this is my revenge. Is he's going to put, put this back in. He's going to whip this out in a couple of weeks. And I'm going to be like, God damn it. I shouldn't have said what I said. A couple of weeks. Gonna... I'm doing it in an hour. <laughs> Every note is just sending back. It's magic. It's magic. It's magic. Uh, but speaking of uh, speaking of uh, Amazon and everything like that, let's follow up with uh, the conversation we had last week. Real quick, it is official. Amazon is purchasing MGM. Uh, they for eight point four five billion dollars, ladies and gentlemen. That w- that's almost two and a half billion dollars more than most people were projecting for this. They were thinking five to six billion, but they're paying over, over uh, eight and a half, almost eight and a half billion dollars for this. They will acquire four thousand movies, seventeen thousand TV shows. Uh, this include pr- and franchises, of course, the Bond franchise, but Pink Panther, Rocky, all of these will be coming through. Uh, And Mike Hopkins, who's the senior VP of Prime Video and Amazon, said the real financial value behind this deal is the treasure trove of intellectual property in the deep catalog that we plan to reimagine and develop together with MGM's talented team. This is Amazon's second largest acquisition behind its $13.7 billion purchase of Whole Foods, gentlemen. That is a lot of cash they're throwing around for sure. And Kevin Ulrich, who is MGM's chairman, said, I'm very proud that MGM's line, which has long evoked the golden age of Hollywood, will continue its storied history. Uh, the opportunity to align MGM's storied history with Amazon is an inspiring combination um so at the end and they've been moving i mean this is this has signaled a shift from amazon remember they were doing like manchester by the sea and cold war and then they kind of let those people go who were in charge of their film distribution and acquisition department and brought in people who were a little more of a mainstream approach uh they wanted to pursue oscars less and pursue more clicks more likes more views if you will uh on their streaming service so what do you guys think about this finally happening? And one last note, the, uh, the uh, was it Barbara Broccoli and the other gentlemen who are the, uh, the, the co-heads of the Bond thing, the franchise, they said that Bond is still coming out in theaters October 8th. It will not have a streaming uh, distribution through Amazon Prime, but we don't know if the window will be, clo- will be closer than usual between theater and streaming. So what do you guys think real quick about this 
I know we talked about it last week, but real quick, did it actually happen? Yeah, I mean, between this and the fact that they're making the Lord of the Rings television show, the amount of money that they are tossing around is is really something uh, to behold. And a lot of people pointed out when we talked about this last week, because we'd all talked about bonds and yeah. we had joked about RoboCop delivering delivering groceries. Um, a lot of people threw out Stargate. Like Stargate yeah. is uh, has a very very loyal fan base that are mm-hmm. that really want new stories told in that universe. So the fact that I mean the the library of stuff that Amazon is going to have, I think all of their movies are still going to come out theatrically. I mean, yeah, a lot of their a lot of their uh, Oscar bait films they put out in the theaters, and when you look at what. Uh, what a movie like Bond is going to make. Like it would be, it would not be the best financial decision just to put it straight on Amazon Prime. Like they're going to, they're still going to put those movies in the theaters. Um, as to what you had pointed out, John, the the window, yeah, how long that window will be, that will be something else. Yeah, yeah. Mike, what do you think about this massive uh, acquisition? Yeah, I mean, like we talked about it last week, but I think that now that it's real, now yeah. that it's official, it's just, it kind of signifies the fact that uh the old way of doing movie the old way of the entertainment industry is is dying and i don't mean that in a bad way because this new era that we're stepping into look however you feel and i mean and and look it is it is nerve it is it is nerve inducing to think about the fact that there are just these few giant companies that are just consolidating all entertainment all ip it, it yeah. gives us all like some weird creepy 1984 vibes i get it but as far as the end result, as far as the product that we are getting, as we talk about all these things week to week, I, you know, when, when, when Disney bought Marvel, when Disney bought Star Wars and everyone was like, oh God, they're going to ruin everything. Everything's going to be horrible. I don't think anybody's complaining about what's yeah. happening with Marvel right now. And I don't think anybody's complaining now uh, with where we're going with Star Wars. And so you look at things like Invincible on Amazon, you look at the boys, uh, you look at all of the IP that's out there. You look at all the stuff that's coming out on HBO Max and like... The end, the end goal of all this is that we, the consumers, are getting a massive amount of awesome, high-end, expensive mm. entertainment um, in ways that we didn't normally get it. The yeah. fact that we can see things day and date on our TVs at home or in the theaters, the fact that the windows are closing, the fact that we are getting, like I said, the fact that we are getting uh, movie-level writers movie level directors movie level effects teams in our living room that's that's the end result of this now is it going to cause massive fcc issues down the line and all of a sudden like you know there's going to be like three giant conglomerates and we're all paying five thousand dollars a month for entertainment maybe Mm. um but for right now it's like ride the wave and enjoy the fact that we probably have especially as geeks more entertainment in more ways than we have ever had at any point in history. Yeah, yeah, great point. And we'll see what happens uh, as this happens, because it takes, you know, they've got to get it all approved, go through all the government stuff. They're anticipating by the end of 2021, this will be official. Amazon had ended the first quarter of 2021 with $73.3 billion in cash, uh, but they're taking on some debt here. And one last note, um, it may, it may not, it may be in some trouble too as we go forward because yesterday the Attorney General for Washington D.C. filed an antitrust lawsuit against Amazon, alleging Amazon engaged in anti-competitive practices 
and price fixing. So will that affect the deal? So there's going to be a lot that still needs to happen before this goes through. But for right now, Amazon is sliding their people in to MGM, apparently, to dictate where we go forward. And something to think about. As the conglomerates swallow up this stuff and become huge and become these massive mini comp- uh, massive mini conglomerates, um, we start to wonder if they are moving away from more Oscar fare and moving more towards more pop culture, uh, uh, you know, b- high box office, high people, high numbers of people going to see these movies. I wonder if we're watching the slow march to the end of award shows that only have the highfalutin type movies being qualified for awards. I wonder. It's something that I'm it, throwing out there in my mind, slowly but it's, surely. It's interesting that you bring that up, though, just because I mm. think that, I, look, your your Karen Gillan point is is perfectly apropos of this, and we're about to talk about Eternals directed, yeah. by, directed by an Oscar winner. But I think that as opposed to looking at it as we're not, it, are, does this mean that Hollywood is no longer going to make grown-up movies? Are they only going to make geek IP, and mm-hmm. that we are somehow degrading storytelling from where we were in Hollywood? Well, well pop are culture we, IP I, is what I meant. Pop culture. Right, 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 right. right. But like, uh, but like, is it is it better to look at it like we are elevating all the storytelling that we're doing? across all platforms and we'll continue to make uh movies about uh about our past about our history about Mm -hmm. uh about you know all the things that oscar movies usually tend to be but i think it's probably high time for the academy and other outlets to sort of get on the ball with the fact that the animated movies that we're making that the genre movies that we're making that the superhero movies that we're making are actually a lot of them yeah. are the best pictures of the year. Not just like the most, the biggest box office, not just the coolest special effects, yeah. but legitimately are telling some of the best stories. Yeah, that's a great point, Mike, for sure. If no other evidence is that, is that the Lady Outlaw has been enjoying this MCU rewatch and she did not want to watch any of these MCU films thinking they were just kids fair and she has been kind of blown away by some of the really adult stories being told. What's her favorite? Kids. I haven't been listening to all of it, but what's her favorite so yeah. far? So far, it is Guardians of the Galaxy right now tied with Captain America First Avenger. That those are okay. the two ties she has. And we just finished phase two uh, with Ant-Man, which she loved. And so we'll be jumping into phase three after next week. We're taking the week off this week because we have birthdays and stuff to handle, but we'll be back next week. Anyway, that but that was just a side thing. The the geek news item I'm talking about is uh, Timothy Chalamet. Uh he has it looks like he's stepping in to Willy Wonka's uh, big shoes. No, he's not a clown or anything, but his big shoes Gene, in terms of Gene Wilder because that is so <laughs> difficult and certainly Johnny Depp fell uh trying to uh trying to match what Gene Wilder did with with him and Tim Burton's version of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, but Chalamet is headed to this. This is according uh, to to Deadline. Sources will tell him that Walker will mark the first time that Chalamet gets to show off singing and dancing, doing a number of musical numbers set to appear in the film. Now, Mike and Shannon, we've seen musicals coming up here. We've got In the Heights coming. We saw the Dear Evan Hansen trailer, which we talked about. West Side Story is on the way. So it almost feels like a mini rebirth of the musicals is happening nowadays. And this might be an interesting new approach into it. I personally don't need another Willy Wonka movie, but do you guys think this is the way a lot of people were joking like oh we're gonna see them sing about enslaving the oompa loompas so you tell me is this something yeah is this something that makes sense that's going to work uh for people to enjoy go ahead mike (laughs) no 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 please no no please go ahead shannon um so 
the way I equate it is this. Like, me personally, I I like the Gene Wilder movie. The mm-hmm. new one with Tim, the Tim Burton one with Johnny Depp. I was like, nah, this, this wasn't really my thing. I don't need any more movies told in that universe. I don't need any more Wonka stories. That being said, what was it, back in 2000, yeah. when they were trying to make Charlie's Angels. And mm. there were all these stories about the, you know, the production was over budget. Bill Murray wasn't getting along with Lucy Liu. Mick G didn't know what he was doing. Like, it, it sounded like this was going to be a train wreck. And it was like, oh, I don't, I don't need this movie. It came out and it was a blast. It was a ton of fun. Garnered a sequel that wasn't as well received, but True. still... It, the, that movie, those those two movies made a decent amount of money for, I think it was Sony. Um, Wonka, directed by Paul King of Paddington fame, it could come out, like, I don't need it, it could come out and be fantastic. Yeah. Um, at this moment, I I don't care who would be in the lead or who, who would be playing Wonka. I mean, the fact that uh, 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 Tom Holland, who is also a musical kid, was, mm-hmm. was allegedly up for the role as well. If they lean into this musical side... This this could be fun. It's not something I'm anticipating, but you know, I, I I will I will reserve judgment until I see a trailer. Mikey, I mean, first off, as the ghost of Orson Welles has learned, like don't fuck with Paddington, like don't don't come for Paddington. So having the Paddington director, <laughs> having the Paddington director gives this an automatic. It went from I don't know to maybe. Okay. Um, I think Timothy Chalamet is a great choice. Like, like, like my opinion on the Wonka of it all in a second, but like, if you are going to do a Wonka movie, um, and you want to have it be a musical and you want to show off singing and dancing and Timothy Chalamet has that experience as did, uh, Holland, I think he's a great choice. He looks Wonka-ish when you Mm -hmm. look at like the, the Ronald Dahl, uh, artwork of, of, of who Wonka was. As far as whether it's a good idea or not, uh, you know, as we were just talking about with the with the Amazon purchase of MGM, like we are now living in the era of IP, and mm-hmm. whether that be Stargate or Bond or RoboCop or Wonka, these giant companies have existing IP. And as I learned at Hasbro, like IP is it's not a plus plus or minus. It can go either way. You can mm-hmm. take a Transformers, you can take a GI Joe, you can take Hungry Hippos, you can take Mr. Potato Head, you can take Willy Wonka, and depending on what the take is and how you handle it, it can either be a complete and utter disaster that you're like, "Fuck, we need to put this away and never touch it again for 20 years," or <laughs> you come up with a take that's amazing. Uh, when Lord and Miller were attached to the Lego movie and we all knew that there was going to be a movie about Legos, I don't think anybody was prepared for the movie that we got that was mm. so much better than anybody was expecting. So given the director, given that Timothy Chalamet is a, a solid actor, I'm kind of at a wait and see moment with it. Uh, I'm not dogging it. I'm To Johnny's point, I am always down for a musical. Uh, so right now it could be either way. I think of the second that we see a trailer, we're all going to have a lot of opinions one way or the other. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, all right. So we'll see, uh, when that comes out and, uh, certainly people have been expressing their opinions one way or another on social media about this for sure. But I'm curious to see how they walk around the Oompa Loompas thing, but you're right, Mike, Paul King being involved with this Paddington, uh, two of the best films made, uh, over the last few years kind of speaks uh, to giving it a little bit more of a chance than maybe you would have on initial yeah. news. Um, all right, what's our last thing, uh, Mikey? All right, well, a little bit of Star Wars news to round out our big IP discussion for the day. 
Yeah. Uh, so, uh, as most people know at this point, you know, Variety had an article that kind of casually announced that uh, Dave Filoni's new title over at Lucasfilm uh, is Executive Creative Director, uh, which is great news for Star Wars fans. Uh, kind of feels like it's a job that he's already had for a while. This just kind of made the announcement more official um, that he's sort of stepping in to be the creative equivalent for Star Wars in the vein of what Kevin Feige is doing for Marvel, kind of like shepherding the direction of all mm. Star Wars stuff, which... We've all been saying for years should be the case, so it's nice that Hollywood got something right. Little tidbit in the article, though, that was just sort of <laughs> dropped casually that the internet picked up faster than you could say anything, uh, is the fact that the previously announced Rangers of the New Republic series that was going to be coming to Disney Plus is no longer in active development. Now, that's all that the article said. It just said, and Rangers of New Republic, which is no longer in active development. And everybody was like, what? Hold on. Uh, and because if you do the math on where this has all gone, in watching season two of Mandalorian, it was very clear that the character of Cara Dune was becoming a ranger in the New Republic. Yes. Uh, and when Disney Plus and Kathleen Kennedy and Disney announced that this Rangers of the New Republic was coming uh, in, uh, in the same era as Mandalorian season three, Book of Boba Fett, the Ahsoka series, it very much seemed like you were going to take Cara Dune, who was a very popular series, uh, character in Mandalorian, and spin her over to her own series as we explored this era of the New Republic. Uh, then, as we all know, uh, Cara Dune go bye-bye, and now uh, Rangers of the New Republic go bye-bye too. So Disney never announced that this was a Cara Dune series. Disney never announced that this was the reason that it was going no longer in active development. But most people on the internet uh, are playing internet detective and saying that's most likely the reason. And it's most likely the reason. Uh, so uh, what do you guys think about this? What do you guys think about the news? Good idea, bad idea. Sad to see it go. Doesn't matter. There's so much Star Wars coming. What do you think? I, I look, I... I... I'm sad to see it go, but I don't think it's gone. I think they're probably retooling it, figuring out. Disney's really s smart about like kind of letting things die down for a little bit, and then they move forward with it. I think they're letting the Cara Dune thing die down. Look, have you heard anything from Gina Carano since that moment? No, she did the Ben Shapiro interview, and then she's been ruling. Uh, oh, she did the Bear Grylls thing. Bear Grylls thing. So she's you know it's not you know it's not crazy popular, but it is popular. So she did little things like that, and her Instagram or social media is doing well. I think, in my opinion, they're letting this die down a little bit, and then they're going to recast. And if they're not going to recast, then they have to retool and rewrite this whole series. So no problem. Take a little bit of time. You're, you've been killing it on the TV side of things. Why rush it? Let's retool it, re rejigger it, figure it out, see what works, recast or cast some new or create a new character to slide into this thing and move forward. We will never see her as Cara Dune ever again. I don't think it's a James Gunn situation where she finds her way back to playing, no matter how loud her people are, her the fans who love her as Cara Dune are, there's just things that she went too far on, in my opinion, with some of the comments, and I don't think there's a way back. For Disney, I think, as well. And I don't think there's a way back in this situation unless there's a massive apology on her side, and she's certainly not doing that. So, because she, she's a, she has a right to believe what she believes. So I think this is what they're doing. Taking a step back, retooling it, figuring it out, or letting it die down and uh, getting a, someone else to sign in and become Cara Dune. Because the character still has value. Are you really... I don't think as many people are going to be upset about it if you recast it as, as uh, her fans would have you believe. Hmm. I, I'm actually going to disagree with John here. Okay. I, I, I think because 
the show was not announced as Rangers of the New Republic starring Gina Carano as Cara Dune. Like there were no right. characters announced with it. It was, right. here is this story. Now, now Gina Carano was largely absent from that Disney investor day where they announced all these projects yeah. and by her own was, hand because of those tweets, but yeah, well, but, sure. But November, right. Yeah. But, but nonetheless, like she wasn't there, like they chose right. not to, not to put her front and center. Um, now she was already on shaky ground, as you pointed out, mm -hmm. Sean. Now it wasn't until February where she made her, her, her latest uh, social media post that, that kind of seemed to have, that's, that's the one that killed it is yeah. that, that right. Disney then officially said, we are no longer working with her. Um, I think they were. I think they were prepared for the possibility that she was not going to be in that show. Mm, okay. um, and, and and granted, you know, the internet casting took over. Like, why not make it Timothy Oliphant's Cobb Vanth? Why not introduce Harrison Dula? Um, why not make it Paul's son, Young Lee, who who mm. we saw in The Mandalorian season two from Kim's Convenience? I think they probably looked at the landscape of what they have and decided we don't need it because we have there, there's no dearth of star wars television content coming for whatever reason i don't think the story was that vital to the future of star wars tv that they needed to keep going with it so you think it's dead you think it's dead uh yeah i kind of okay. do all right yeah. sorry mike go ahead sorry I think you're both a little right, both a little wrong. Uh, <laughs> I, I think that I think that what probably really did happen was um, I think that it was definitely going to be Cara Dune. I think the value of the show is less that it's a Cara Dune show, and it just seems like if you really take all the things that are cool about Star Wars, uh, Boba Fett is definitely going to explore the bounty hunter, gangster, underbelly side of the Star Wars universe, which we all love. Uh, Ahsoka is clearly going to explore the Jedi, the Force... Uh, hopefully Ezra, we'll see that, you know, the continuation of the Rebel storyline. The Rangers of the New Republic series was probably going to explore the New Republic. Like, you know, in the aftermath of the Empire falling, how did the New Republic form? How did they start to figure things out? And what ultimately led to them allowing the First Order to do all the things that they did, which for people who aren't the biggest fans of the new trilogy is all a little muddy and doesn't make a lot of sense, but just as Dave Filoni and his team did with Clone Wars the Animated Series, I'm super intrigued to see them sort of tell this story and kind of flesh out the story of the New Republic. And I think Rangers of the New Republic is probably something that Filoni and team were wanting to do, and they thought that Cara Dune was going to do that. Now, I think that once the Gina Carano stuff happened and she was gone, I think they probably, the reason that we didn't hear that it was going, that then the reason it was also, also sort of just dropped in this Daily Variety article casually and wasn't a big announcement is because I think they probably tried some stuff. They probably went to the team and they probably wrote some drafts of scripts or outlines and said, well, what if it is Cobb Vanth? What if we did bring Harrison Dula in this way? I'm sure they tried a bunch of things. And after getting a couple scripts in, a couple drafts, a couple like big meetings where they kind of worked through everything, they realized that they were probably trying to work too hard for something. And this is where I think your guys are right, is that I think that they... They did say we don't need it right now. They did say we have a lot going on. Why are we trying to force this thing if it's not working? There's probably other ways that we can explore the New Republic. There's probably other ways we can tell this story. Uh, let's stop trying to fit a square peg in a round hole and let's wait and see where we can find this stuff. So I think they probably tried for a while and that's why okay. we're only hearing about it now. Yeah, that makes sense. Anything more to add to this uh, overall? 
All right. That sounds good. All right. Let's move on to uh, let's uh, take a little bit of a mini break here. And certainly we'll keep tabs on that Rangers of the New Republic uh, story. And uh, just a little plug here later on today, live at 6 p.m. PT, Laura Kelly and I are back with the Jedi. We took a couple weeks off because I had that Moderna thing knock me on my butt. But we are back. We're going to talk some we're going to talk about Tarkin and his journey through Star Wars up until his untimely demise or earned demise uh, uh, uh on the death star uh, and we'll also probably talk about this range of the new republic story as well and a little bit more of what jj abrams said today which we're not talking about on the show but what he said we'll probably touch on that as well but yeah join us 6 p.m pt live here on the outlaw nation for that show all right let's take a little bit of a break and then we'll be back to talk about our main topic get your turtles ready I was hoping this was going to be. If I'd really thought about it, I would have Googled the lyrics and sang it. I will say, like, always right before, always right before we go to break. Yeah, yeah, always right before we go to break, I kind of like try and guess what Shannon's going to do. Yeah. Sometimes I'm right, sometimes I'm wrong. You get it? And I was like, I, I got it today. I was really happy about it. I was like, that, that, was, that was appropriate. That was the correct song that we should have done. Well, don't let the sun catch you crying. Is that what it is? Don't let the sun catch you crying. Something like that. Anyway, we're getting into that uh, trailer here. I've got my book out. Hello. I've got my book out. I'm so ready to reread <laughs> this thing and get into the Eternals all over again. But uh, yeah, that trailer dropped earlier this week. Mike and Shannon, I am absolutely surprised at the split in reactions to this trailer I thought this was pretty much a universally liked trailer. Then I went online, or it was going to be, and then I went online, and some people actually didn't like this trailer. I loved it, uh, but tell us uh, what you guys thought about this, and let's talk a little bit more about the characters we're getting because uh, maybe some people out there watching or listening to us don't know that much about the Eternals. Before right. before we do, I just want to. Yeah. I really just. I really want to know what do people not like about this trailer. What's people the, what's the that negative? It, that it didn't give away. That it didn't give away anything of the story. That it was kind of boring. That uh, the chemistry wasn't really there. Um, overall, this is what some of the complaints have been. So I'm I'm at a. Uh, I don't know. I'm as the Brits say. I'm at sixes and sevens about this because it makes no sense to me. What did you guys think though about the trailer? Let's talk about our reactions. Go for it, Mikey. I loved it. Mm. I I got every chill that you can get. Uh, when Kevin Feige was talking recently in Daily Variety, I think it was the day of the Academy Awards, uh, and he was talking about Marvel and everything, but he was talking about Chloe Zhao uh, directing the movie, and uh, because yeah. like everyone was assuming she was going to win for Nomadland, which uh, she did, one of the things he talked about was how one of the skills that she has, one of the things she brought to the film is so many actual practical locations mm -hmm. that they didn't build a lot of things in CG, that they sent her around the world to sort of shoot things in person because she just has this way of doing it. And I think the second you see this trailer, you sort of start to see that. Like, it just felt so gorgeous and so epic and so just like a huge sprawling story. Uh, and it was just a like like regardless of my excitement about the Marvel universe, it was just a gorgeous trailer, mm -hmm. and it felt huge. Like in a just you know that that this whole movie that sp that spans seven thousand years of humanity, uh, as much as this teaser trailer didn't give us a ton of information, it definitely felt like we are getting a true epic. Um, mm -hmm. So I loved that about it. Um, I loved seeing all the characters. I love this idea of like these characters that have sort of been around uh, for all of this time and are only now deciding to uh, 
step out of the shadows. Yep. Um, I, like, like everybody else on the internet, I'm curious to see why they didn't feel Thanos was a reason enough to step out of the shadows. But it also <laughs> does seem like probably something post-blip, like we are seeing with a lot of the Phase 4 stuff, like the blip was a major thing. And maybe post-blip, they're realizing that some shit has to change. So I'm curious to see how this story that they have ties into the rest of the Marvel Universe. Um, and I also just really got to give mad props to the brilliance of Marvel to give us this movie that feels completely divorced from the rest of the Marvel Universe, feels completely different and separate from everything, but and feels very gorgeous and beautiful and serious and heavy. And then at the very, very end of the trailer, to give us that moment with them all sitting around the table where they're discussing who's going to be the leader <laughs> of the Avengers now that Tony Stark and Steve Rogers are gone. Yeah. Uh, because in addition to it being like a really fun, cute moment, it's just a really smart way of going, hey, Here's this epic story with these characters you've never seen before. But by the way, it's still tied into everything. I thought it was brilliant yeah. from top to bottom. Well, just uh, let me before Shannon comments here, let me throw in some of the some of the complaints. People have said that it's dull, uh, that the teaser trailer was dull. Um, somebody commented, uh, just watch the Eternals trailer. So they've been around for 7000 years and haven't interfered until now. Were they busy between 1914 and 1945? Another person says, my biggest gripe was with how Marvel is setting up the Eternals is how they mentioned they didn't feel like they needed to step in until now, but they watched Thanos, a part Eternal Madman, collect all the Infinity Stones and then wipe out half the universe. So this feels like, uh, to me, this feels like a little bit of uh, nitpicking about, and look, I don't want to bring this up in a too powerful way, but... This is also the most diverse cast ever put together from an MCU film. This is led by an Asian director uh, or Asian descent, uh, director of Asian descent, who just won an Oscar. I wonder if some of these complaints are driven by that a little bit. I'm not saying it is. I'm just throwing it in as a possibility. I'm just surprised by the reaction. Uh, and remember, at this time... Uh, in the cycle of Guardians of the Galaxy, people were saying the same thing about Guardians of the Galaxy. They don't know who these people are. They're bored. They're, it's not the right tone for Marvel, blah, blah. And we saw how that turned out. Anyway, sorry, Shannon. Go ahead. They look, Marvel has a very, very high batting average. Yes. Um, it, is it a thousand? Of course not. Um, but they have a very high batting average. Now, to what I actually thought of the trailer. Um, this is unlike anything Marvel has done. Mm. I'm not saying that's good nor bad. I'm saying that's what this is being presented as. And for, I think for a normal cinema goer who has their sort of checklist of what they expect from a Marvel movie, this trailer may not have delivered. I mean, I think they saw Shang-Chi that probably delivered for them. Um, I think, I mean, the the scope of this is beautiful. Like, yeah. it's a gorgeous-looking trailer, so well cut. Um, I actually had a conversation with one of our friends who did bring up the, okay, so people were ragging about Martian Manhunter popping up at the end of Justice League. Well, where was he the whole time? He's like, same thing with the, with the Turtles. And I'm like, yeah, but I think that's what the movie is. Yeah. It's like we actually find out why they haven't interfered, why they are choosing to Good do point. it now. Good point. Um, yeah. I mean, that's the story. Um, how how it's going to turn out, I don't know. I mean, is it going to be so different that audiences at large are not going to get behind it? It's possible, but I think it's, it's, it's too soon, especially for people to say, well, I didn't buy the chemistry. I'm like, the, 
the only people that spoke were Jimmy Chan and, and Salma Hayek. Right. Um, so I don't think you can actually make that call yet. I thought it was a gorgeous trailer between Shang-Chi and Eternals. I think I'm more curious about Eternals, but as of right now, I'm looking forward more to Shang-Chi. Yeah. And I would and I would say the opposite. I mean, I'm super excited for both, but mm-hmm. I'm uh I'm I'm very excited to see Shang-Chi, but I cannot wait for Eternals. It's hitting yeah. all the buttons that I like. And I do think to the point, look, I don't I don't think that it's a I think there are the detractors that are going to give the movie shit because it is so diverse and say it's uh, pandering or whatever. And those Mm. people, I don't really care about their opinions. I think that the whole idea of these superpowered beings that never stepped in in any wars, in anything, and didn't step in for Thanos, like, if that's not addressed, yeah, that's an issue. But to Shannon's point... I kind of think that's what the movie is. I think that Marvel understands what they're doing. And they, to Shannon's point, they have a pretty high batting average of like nailing this story stuff. And I think that the idea that there's these beings that are so powerful that they look at the squabbles of man, the stuff that we think is huge, the big world wars, yes. all those things that happen. And that they go, that's not our job. That's not what we do. We are above this. And to have these characters that live on this different plane of understanding and existence, and then to have something like Endgame, Infinity War and Endgame happen and go, oh, hold on, the world has forever changed. And I'm not saying that's what the movie is. I'm saying Mm -hmm. that is an interesting story. And I think that one of the things that you do really well, uh, Brian Michael Bendis used to say this about comics when he was uh, rising up and becoming like the Brian Michael Bendis that we all know and love if you're a comic book fan. And he said... One of the things that he liked to do as a writer is to write himself into an impossible corner and then find a way out. And so I think that similarly, this concept of we're going to bring in these characters that have been around for 7,000 years and never stepped in in any of the Marvel movies that we've seen so far, that is a storytelling challenge. And if you avoid it, it's a problem. And if you lean into it, it can be gold. And given what Marvel has done thus far, I'm, I'm... willing to believe that they're going to do this right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think so. I thought the trailer was gorgeous. I loved it, loved the pacing of it, loved the introduction of the characters. And and Chloe Zhao, Zhao, Chloe Zhao's eye is incredible for the composition of the shots that we saw in the trailer. But yes, ladies and gentlemen, you better get ready for a relaxed, grander film. I think they will have intimate moments. Certainly you saw Richard Madden uh, and, and Gemma Chan having their moments, but overall this is going to be a grander film, which means it's going to move at a slower pace as it lays out all this stuff. At least that's what my perception of it is. Yeah, we so don't, we is, don't know that for sure though. Yeah. So that's my opinion. I'm yeah. giving my opinion, my analysis. When I look at this trailer, that's what I sense it's going, especially because Feige is saying that he thinks this could be a real Oscar winner for best picture. So in my mind, that conveys an epic. And if you look at epics, epics take their time getting to where they're going. It doesn't mean it's slow. It doesn't mean it's boring and it doesn't mean it's dull. It just means it's going to take its time moving through the world. And I'm excited for that because I like it. And to me, in my opinion, this idea that all they should have interfered. Our problems are our problems. We let Hitler happen. We didn't stop it when we could have. You can go back and study history. So to to go and complain about world wars, this is something we did to ourselves. Thanos, I understand that complaint. That I can give you credit for. But overall, the other stuff, if it's human-induced, I don't think they need to be coming in and interfering. And they have a way longer game that they're looking at than the small conflicts in comparison 
to the 7,000 years that you're looking at. You know what I'm saying? So I, I just think to me that's a bit of a, a wasted complaint on the film. Although the other piece of it that's interesting, that's always been interesting about the Eternals, is that just given the names of the characters themselves, like even if you're not a huge Marvel fan and you don't know a lot about Eternals, and even a lot of people who are Marvel fans don't know a lot about the Eternals, yeah. uh, the names themselves, you know, uh, yeah. Icarus, Circe, uh, Fastos, which is like Hephaestus, mm -hmm. uh, Makari, like Mercury, because she's the fast person, Sprite, yeah. Gilgamesh. Uh, these are all names of characters that we know from our mythology and the kind of whole idea that as much as they may not have been involved, mm -hmm. their comings and goings and the things that they've done throughout history did seep into our modern day uh, mythology, yep. legends, gods, everything else. So it will be interesting to see how they have interacted with humanity throughout. And I kind of have a feeling that through all the characters, there's probably going to be a disagreement among them about how involved they should be. I mean, we know mm -hmm. from what Kevin Feige said that yes. Gemma, Chan, Gemma Chan playing Cersei is sort of the main character. We know she's yeah. more or less the lead. We know from the trailer that her and Richard Madden playing Icarus definitely have some romance. And we know mm -hmm. from what they've said uh, that Gemma Chan and uh, Kit Harington, who plays the Black Knight, uh, there's maybe going to be some romance there as well. So mm -hmm. I think that, you know, you're like, in addition to the, all of the sprawling stuff that we're talking about and all of the big heavy stuff, like there's definitely going to be a big story. Um, yeah. It's, uh, is it, um, who is it that plays Druig? Um, uh, oh, uh, Barry Keegan. Barry Keegan. Yeah, Barry yeah. Keegan. Uh, you know, in the trailer, we also see that uh, it looks like, we saw this in the teaser and we also saw it in the trailer, that the character of Druig looks like he's kind of running some kind of like compound where he's like controlling everybody and like everyone's like part of like some kind of cult or something when all the other Eternals come to get him. So I do kind of have a feeling that a lot of this movie is going to uh, revolve around conflict amongst the Eternals about mm -hmm. what to do with humanity, which I think will also be really interesting. Yeah. You know, and what's interesting... That, that I've found, at least with, with people's uh, criticisms of it, is, you know, why didn't they step in with Thanos? And it's like, think about the timeline of Infinity War. Right. That took place probably, the whole thing, probably in about 36 hours. Um, I, I, I'm not overly familiar with the powers of the Eternals, but I don't think any of them are omniscient, that, that they can sense right away something is wrong. And they don't seem they're not micromanagers like right. they 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 don't feel the need to get involved. I mean, think how long how long was Thanos actually in Wakanda? Yeah, about five minutes. About yeah. You know, yeah. he was not there that long. I mean, even if they wanted to do something, it's it's it could be physically impossible for them to do it. Yeah. I, I think the idea of, of these thinking about like the squabbles of man. Um, this is a really gross example, but the other day I was walking down the street and there was a, a dead uh, cricket being attacked oh. by a bunch of ants. Oh, I'm sure you um, thank God for ending that in a different way. Dead cricket. <laughs> Fuck, man. You put dead. that pause. I was like, <laughs> but like, how, how many times have you walked past that watching bugs eat each other and stop it? Mm. And it actually, you're trying to say I, we're bugs. Well, but to be fair, I, <laughs> I think not, I yeah. might. I might be wrong on this, but I do think in the Neil Gaiman uh, Eternals, I think what you just held up, Johnny, uh, so you can you can check me on this when you read it, but I actually think that is almost verbatim the Eternals' explanation 
about humanity. I yeah, think they kind of say ants. <laughs> <laughs> I think there is sort of a they're looking at this like like we don't we we look at the squabbles of lesser beings and we're like this is not for us to get involved in. And I mm. do think that at least for some of them there might be that uh, perspective. So yeah. I, I think that as as like I think Shang Chi is going to be a amazing awesome film and we talked about the trailer like, i think there's so much goodness in there i think he as a character is going to be awesome for the mcu mm-hmm. and i think fleshing out the story of the mandarin and the ten rings and all of that stuff is going to be really great i think that bringing the eternals into the story in phase four and whatever they do has the bigger more massive ramifications for the mcu going forward yeah. uh another thing i've seen i think we talked about this a long time ago probably when eternals was first announced but uh, I think there, and I know we say this with every Marvel thing that comes out, and everybody says this for every TV show and everything, so I'm going to preface this by saying I'm probably <laughs> Mephistoing myself. Hey, but we're... I think there's a really good chance that the Eternals, who have helped shape humanity for 7,000 years and have some crisis of what to do, could very easily be the way that we start to get mutations in humanity. I think this might <sighs> be a really, really eloquent way to lead towards mutants. And I might be completely wrong and they might go a completely different route with it, but if they did choose it, boy, that would be a hell of a story. Yeah, you know, you bring that up and a lot of people have been speculating that there's a possible celestial in in the uh, in the trailer there where you're seeing the volcano blowing volcano. up. Yeah, and then you're seeing these two body parts come together. It looks like a weird high five or high shake or shake hand, a handshake. But is that like a weird body being formed yeah. in some way? Who knows uh, that that may be. You're, you're absolutely right, Mike. That may be the way they introduce uh, the situation of uh, these mutants. And also, I'll throw this in for some people who don't know. Angelina Jolie as Thena. Thena hasn't always been like on the uh, let's go get him type of side on the Eternals. She has battled with Icarus through the comics in the Eternals for control of the Eternals. So will she end up being kind of a villain as well? Or maybe an antagonist, not necessarily a villain, but an antagonist to this situation. So some people are complaining, well, I didn't see a villain. I didn't see an antagonist. You might have. You just didn't know you'd seen it. So if you do your history on the Eternals, or do your research on the history of the Eternals, Athena has, uh, sorry, Athena has been an issue uh, for them as well. Uh, and, and then you look at uh, all of this that could happen throughout, and it could be interesting if we get X-Men or even Fantastic four in some way and another part of this i wonder what you guys think kid harrington dane whitman is the black knight and mm-hmm. the black knight has been i think a member of the avengers uh, at times as well yeah. so will will that be something that they add to the overall team as we move into this phase four of the mcu where he is the one eternal that stays on earth as a bit of a monitor well, well he's not an eternal Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, but connected Black, to the Eternals, who stays on Earth, is what he's. Black, yeah, uh, Black Knight is not an Eternal, uh, right, right, but right. he's tied to the Eternals. Uh, but he and Cersei, Gemma Chan, who is right. an Eternal, were both on the Avengers at the same time. So, That's right. yes, with the yes. fact that Gemma Chan is being set up as the lead for the movie, uh, a lot of people are suspecting that Gemma Chan we're going to see moving forward in other Marvel movies as well. Yeah. Additionally, uh, the Black Knight, because he's more mystical, uh, his ebony blade, I think, is uh, tied to Merlin somehow. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Black Knight is also has also, at different times in the comics, worked with Doctor Strange. So yeah. people That's are right. wondering if we may end up seeing Kit Harington in Multiverse of Madness or in other magical adventures. You know, those, right. magical, those magical adventures that have no rules. <laughs> 
And Brian, it's great to see Brian Tyree Henry in this trailer as well. As fast yeah. as we only, we only got a little bit of glimpse of what he can do. So how he'll play into it, I wonder. I love seeing Leah McHugh as Sprite. She's cute, rolling all around there. That's going to be fun to see uh, what that person does with that role. And Don Lee coming as Gilgamesh. Don Lee is at the end of the move, at the end of the trailer when they're all sitting around talking about who's going to lead the Avengers. A very funny meta moment. Don Lee, for those of you who don't know, is uh, in Train to Busan. He is that gentleman. I'm not going to ruin it if you haven't seen it, but when you watch Train to Busan, you will remember Don Lee, ladies and gentlemen. So it's great to see him as a Korean actor stepping into this role in the MCU as well. It, and also just like, it's amazing when you... It, the, 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 the deep bench of this cast. Oh, yeah. Like when you look at this movie, like as far into the MCU as we are, and as other as many other big names uh, have have come into roles in the MCU, when you yeah. look at a movie that has heroes, uh, comic book characters who most people are very very unaware of, and to see just this deep bench of amazing actors uh, from all over the world. It really is just impressive. You're just like, mm -hmm. damn, this thing is huge. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, any uh, final words on this uh, before we move off of it and uh, end the show? I am so happy that Jimmy Chan's getting a second at bat in the Marvel Cinematic mm. Universe after Captain Marvel. I for, like that. Agreed. That, that they, you know, they have a very kind of strict policy that once you're in it, you're in it. But she was blue. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, all right, well, you've not been it in this way. Uh, yeah. They saw how talented she was and how uh, uh, magnetic a performer she is that they're like, oh, put her back in. I think yeah, awesome. apparently it was Feige's doing. So apparently they were having conversations. From what I read, him and Gemma were having conversations, and he said, oh, you're definitely going to be in the Marvel. We're going to put you back in the Marvel Universe somewhere. So like, you're right, broke, broke the rule because she's such a talented actress. So to have her... Be here and then giving her multiple possible multiple appearances throughout phase four that will be a hell of a way to kind of be like oh yeah we we like what we, you're doing here so we messed up our bad <laughs> <laughs> our bad oh one more thing uh for the, speaking of black knight the armor appears in that museum in uh spider-man far from home his armor so but it's not that armor that you see in the trailer so will that somehow tie in for god's sake so there's a lot here to explore ladies and gentlemen it's not as dull as you effing think there's more here for god's sakes do some research uh anyway anyway this is my final two cents on that all right are we uh, let's uh, let's get on out of here thank you all so much for watching or listening to this episode of the geek bud as we appreciate it madly shannon what do we have to tell yeah if you'd like to follow us on social media on twitter it's at geek underscore buddies on instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies if you'd like to follow me on social media on twitter it's at shannon underscore mcclung on instagram at shannon the geek buddy if you would like to follow mr vogel where there are no rules because he's magic it's at mj tune <laughs> if you would like to follow mr roca <laughs> where there are laws but he doesn't abide by them no nope. it's at the roca says thank you mikey well, speaking of rules, here's a couple <laughs> rules that you can follow if you want to keep us keep doing what we're doing. Uh, if you enjoyed this and you want us to keep doing it, here's some things you can do. You can smash the like button below. Uh, subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page. There's a ton of awesome content there. Uh, lots of stuff for you to enjoy, including tons of episodes of Geek Buddies and reviews and spoiler reviews from us, uh, in addition to all the other great content that he has. If you are listening to us on Anchor or Spotify or Apple Podcasts or anywhere where podcasts are available, go ahead and leave some comments there. Leave some stars. It helps us go up in their rankings for entertainment podcasts. Definitely leave some comments below. 
below. We love seeing what you guys thought. Uh, what are your theories about the Eternals? What did you like or not like? What do you think about Willy Wonka, Rangers of the New Republic? What did you think of all the trailers? Let us know. Uh, and as always, the best thing that you can do is retweet this with a funny little quip. Uh, tag all of us. Uh, tell everybody else that they should check out Geek Buddies. Definitely share this video with your friends. Post it on your Facebook pages. Put it on your TikToks. Put it on Instagram. Whatever you want to do, we are here for it uh, because the more buddies, the better. Absolutely. So thank you all so much. Hope you're out there getting uh, vaccinated or practicing your social distancing and wearing your mask and staying healthy and safe. And uh, come back and see us uh, next week for another brand new episode of the Geek Buddies, but also for a review episode of The Bad Batch later on this week uh, with Laura Kelly. Uh, we're doing it all for you here as we build the brand more and more of the Geek Buddies. <laughs> Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.